What's going on, everybody? This is your boy, Nathan Cranefield, the host of the Seeking Excellence podcast. Dude, man, you guys are for a treat today. This is possibly, I don't want to over speak here. I don't want to exaggerate too much for you, but this might be the most hype I ever get on a podcast before. I've ever gotten on a podcast before. Me and my man, Lucas, breaking it down, talking about really what's the biggest problem with masculinity in today's world, uh, which is a huge problem in the world in general, right? Is um, just the, you know, you hear a lot about toxic masculinity, you hear about uh, just the decline in the presence of men, whether that's in fatherlessness or in the church, decline in the priesthood. So what's going on? Let's talk about it. Let's get to the bottom of this. And so we do our best to kind of break it down and get to it. You guys know Lucas from before. Uh, we did a great podcast previously on principles and priorities leading to freedom. And uh, it's one of our top 10. You guys loved it. Lucas is the man former culture project missionary, former net ministry uh, missionary, and just an all around awesome dude. He's living in Austin, Texas right now, engaged to his wonderful fiance, Laura, who we talk about as well. And uh, he's just a, an incredible human being. And so he's one of my best friends. And so I hope that you enjoy this episode and really want to encourage you. We encourage you multiple times throughout the episode, but I want you to share this with the men in your life, whether you're a guy or a girl, like commit to sharing this with three men in your life who you know want to grow in their faith, need to grow in their faith, need to grow in their masculinity and their manhood. You don't have to offend them by telling them this, you know? So if you receive this with somebody, don't think that they think that you're, that you're trash, but continue to share this message. I'm very inspired by just talking about these things, hearing about these things all the time and recognize the ways I need to grow in my masculinity and can realize the ways that I have grown in my masculinity. So all of us need to improve in this um, and there's ways that we can practical steps that we can take. And this is part one of many, but we're excited to share this with you guys. And what I really want to encourage you to do is since I'm releasing this at the beginning of Holy Week, we recorded on the Annunciation and releasing this on the beginning of Holy Week. I want you to think about and ponder Jesus's masculinity as you go through Holy Week, right? So the Last Supper, uh, when you go through um, Good Friday, right? Holy Saturday, Easter Sunday. I want you to think about that. Think about the, the masculinity and think about the effeminacy that we see throughout those times as well, right? Uh, through the apostles and the weakness and the lashing out and the hiding and denying Jesus and all these things. I want you to think about that and really kind of take this to heart and just kind of ponder it in your heart and in your life and in your spiritual life over the next few days. And I hope that it bears great fruit in your life. God bless. You were never out of the fight. You were created for a time such as this, and you are now preparing to be sent into battle. God is calling you to be his disciple, to be formed in virtue and holiness. He has appointed you as an ambassador of his kingdom, to go and represent him to his people, and he's enlisted you as a soldier of Christ be sent out to fight for the good in this world. You were not made to make excuses. It's time for you to take extreme ownership for your life, for all of your life. It's time to rise up and finally be the man or woman you were created to be. Follow God. Lead others. 
and never surrender. It is time to begin seeking excellence. My dude, Lucas Walsh Lager. How you doing, my man? It's great to see you. Doing well. Doing well. We are holding up here in uh, Austin, Texas. We're holding on the fort, getting ready for Holy Week, you know, just uh, just doing the thing. How are you doing? I, I love to hear it, man. I'm doing well. I'm doing well. You know, the foot's coming along. I'm walking in the pool which is great. You know, we love to see progress there in the pool, but uh, it's definitely been a struggle uh, still just kind of coming along with the injury, you know, but I prayed for something hard to do this year. I asked that the Lord would give it to me. It was one of my goals for 2021. I don't recommend anybody pray that prayer ever because he, boy, did he come through. I'll tell you, it has been quite the gift and the curse. It sounds like the prayer you need to make now is Lord, give me the willingness to suffer. It sounds like that's what you are. That's what you need. Absolutely. I could grow on that for sure. Bro, so we got a fire topic to talk about today. And this is something that you and I are both extremely passionate about. We love talking about some good old masculinity, some problems in manhood. I've gotten an opportunity to give a lot of talks on this actually recently on just masculinity, manhood, and some of the setbacks, the the drawbacks that we see, the shortcomings, um, common issues that we see in masculinity today. And really the important thing to get into that we're going to talk about as well is what are the outcomes of that? What are the, the problems? You know, I love that, that saying that always goes, you know, um, we, a strong men create good times, good times create weak men, weak men create bad times, right? And so <laughs> I think it's easy to say that we're living in some pretty bad times right now, you know, socially, culturally, um, and spiritually, even though we have a lot of comforts and I recognize the greatness that is the United States of America as well. Um, but we want to talk about some masculinity today, bro. So I know you, you've done some good homework and research for us. we got a strong outline. There's no chance we get through all of this today, which I love. We're going to, we're going to definitely do multiple of these, I think. Um, and this is what we've wanted to do since your last one, bro. We talked about this like five months ago, right? Bro. I like, I like, dream about just like shouting these kinds of things from the mountaintops you know right yeah it's like yeah like we we uh we jived on these things when we first met and we still do today and i think it's just because it's it's central to you know like like what you were saying before we jumped on here just i think central to all of the issues in the world um Right. You know, we always talk about like so like as the family goes the society in the world right yep I really do think that, you know, as like the individual sexes, as they were created by God, as men and as women, as God intended them to be, as those go, you know, it. So goes the world, bro. It goes everything, you know. Here we are. And and I specifically think that's the case with men. Um, But today, we kind of broke this down with like some hot takes because these these takes are hot. <laughs> yes. They're, they're not the faint of heart. And uh, that's particularly the case when, you know, when we're talking not just about masculinity specifically, but something that we see as like the, probably the greatest issue with masculinity, which is effeminacy. Now, just a disclaimer with effeminacy. This is key. Whoever it is that's hearing this, we're all in different places when we come to hear like, this kind of message and like in the context that Nathan and I are going to be chatting about. Um, and so just know that like, we're not like casting, you know, judgment on anybody. Like we, we want holiness for everybody. And, and, and I think especially for all men, um, because like, yes, this, this 
this message, um, it can be hard to take at first, you know, it takes a lot of reconciling the fact that like, I live up in a, I, I've, I grew up and live in a messed up world and in a messed up culture, you know? Um, and the first hot take that we just want to break down for. Get for, it, boy. Send it for us. Uh, what, what passes today in our culture and the world for masculinity is actually effeminacy. Mm. Like straight up. Right. So we're going to break this down a little bit. Uh, first off, like, what is effeminacy? Yeah, teach us, Lucas. So the Latin, effeminacia, it, it, it's not to be mistaken for feminine, necessarily. Um, in certain senses, it might, but <clears throat> more so, it, it's, it has, Thomas Aquinas breaks it down as, like, it's an unwillingness to put aside one's pleasure to pursue what is arduous, right? So it's essentially, it's this. That's so this, far. Yeah, it's this disordered attachment to pleasure. And, and comfort. I think you, yeah, and comfort, yeah. When you look Jesus. at it in those in those lens, in that lens, that is the message of the world. That is the bedrock of society as we know it right now, you know, is this disordered attachment to pleasure and really an aversion to suffering. It's it's like totally disregarding any sense of responsibility and embracing of things that are difficult in life. Um, and it's, I think one, one other thing, one, one other thing to note with it is it's like, it could potentially like go hand in hand with sloth, but not necessarily because sloth is like, it's more of an aversion to what is hard and effeminacy is more so that detach or that attachment to pleasure. Right. Um, For sure. And I think, I think with this, as with all sin, <laughs> you have to go back to the garden, right? Especially as Catholics, especially as Christians, like, like we have to go back to our first parents, to Adam and Eve. What the heck happened there, <laughs> right? Like, like, what did they set us up for, you know? And, and I think, especially when it comes to this, this, uh, this thorn that we as men particularly suffer from and with and and uh have an attachment to it it particularly comes from adam and adam in the garden you know you you look at one of the sins that he actually committed in the garden was this this inept joy at like eating of the fruit right so when eve gave him of the fruit the fathers talk about how when he received it he delighted in it in a disordered way because right he was told that he wasn't to eat of it and so that attachment or that giving into that pleasure, if you will, was actually disordered. Um, and, and with that, the, the joy he took in eating the fruit was disordered insofar as it, it, it allowed his lower appetites, right? So we're getting into like some like philosophical, like, right, talking about appetites and, and things like that, just basically understanding yes. the soul and the intellect, um, he gave into his lower appetites and sinned against reason, <laughs> right? Like, yeah. like, like the delight that he took in the fruit was totally contradictory to reason because God told him not to, you know, like, like that's like, like you can't get, yeah, you can't get more reasonable than that, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, and right. yeah, I don't know if you have anything so far to chime in on this, but it, I think it's just so 
so integral to, to understand that like this goes back man you know yeah. like this uh this goes back to the beginning this is original baby dude this is the og this is the og story right here. early genesis <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and, and i also think i was nathan and i have listened to some commentary on this recently and uh one thing that this priest pointed out another thing that the fathers talk about is you know adam and eve before the fall they had this this particular grace which was perfect integrity right yeah um meaning that their appetites were perfectly guided by reason right so they weren't subject to just like um, making emotional decisions all the time like most of us are <laughs> uh so once they ate the i'd say food, that's common yeah I'd no that's, that's highly yeah. common <laughs> uh, and highly acceptable and we'll talk about that later right yeah um but once they ate the fruit, it destroyed that integrity, right? Because yeah. it became, it became this. Uh, it, it gave them the opportunity to make decisions contrary to what they knew to be good and true, and as told by God Himself, you know. So and you this, see that with the shame. Oh yeah, clothing and, themselves. And, yeah, exactly, exactly. And, the and first and, documented decision that's based on emotion and shame, and yeah. Yep. 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 I, uh, yeah, so that's, and, and, yo, like, that's just Adam. We haven't even talked about Eve yet. Like, that's right. like, that's, and, and that's a whole nother layer. And I know some, some women out there are probably going to be like, you know, like we're bashing women or anything like that. But the fact of the matter is like, in a sense, women can be effeminate too. Um, yeah. And, you know, we, we see this actually with Eve, where Eve is the first to actually eat of the fruit. And if you, if you pay close attention to the texts, to the scriptures, she then, what, you know, when Adam arrives, she then hands the fruit off to Adam. And right. I think there, if you're, if you're like keenly aware of what's happening, you can see these as the first signs of like a woman seeking to control and take the lead over the man, you know? Right. Um, which, which is also I, common today. Exactly. Exactly. And that's like, and I think any, any woman who seeks to do that, like, I'd imagine there's some form of pleasure that is derived from it, you know, because like, that's right. like those, um, I think those qualities are obviously encouraged today, <laughs> you know, like that's Oh my just, gosh. Yeah. And not just women, but of course, everything we've spoken, spoken of thus far about men as well. So Anyways, I think that that's, that's where the root of the problem lies. I think that's where it comes from. Um, and, uh, you, you know, we've already spewed out a few examples of this, but it's, it's rampant. In our right. Way. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely, man. I think that's so important. And so I think you hit on so many good things there. I have, I have an hour's worth of response, but I'm going to keep it to a few minutes. But one of the things I think is so key, you know, that you hit on already that I want to reiterate is that this is not like an antithesis podcast to emily's feminine genius podcast right like this is not in any way take away from that um and i think that's something else that's important for us to talk about with this as we kind of like frame this discussion of, of talking about what's the biggest problem with men is i hate discussions that just purely bash men for the sake of bashing men right i think we both despise that we both don't like the homer simpson caricature of men that's out there the you know ray barone that i remember watching everybody was raymond growing up and it's like Mom makes all the decisions. Mom runs the whole house because dad's an idiot, right? And can't do anything right. 
Um, he has no common sense, no reason, no intellect, right? No will. Like, uh, we're not going to just bash men for the sake of bashing men. Um, so hopefully, you know, any, any women who came for a bashing, hating men session, this is not going to be that. We are going to challenge men a lot. And I think that's always important to recognize because I even just feel, bro, just listen to you talk about it. And I felt this before we got on, uh, before we started recording and before we even logged on to, to record. Uh, but just feeling inspired. Like I'm going to be a better man tomorrow for us having this conversation, you know, and that's true for every conversation that I think that you and I have pretty much, but just how important it is for other men to have men in their lives who are willing to challenge them, tell them the truth and that women can't do that. You know, I I often end my, my masculinity presentations with a slide that says what women can do and what they can't do. And what they can't do is they can't empower, they can't, uh, you know, make a man, a man. (laughs) you know, they can't really successfully make a man out of a boy. And so when you think about the significant fatherlessness that we have, uh, the single motherhood rates that we have, it's no surprise that we have weak men in this society, in this world. And, you know, I've, I've struggled a lot, you know, with my relationship with my father, which has gotten a lot stronger in recent years, but still by no means is I I would say like picture perfect or what I would, what I want my relationship with my 27 year old son to look like. But I think that we, we recognize that and, and we've at least witnessed, if not experienced, some of those wounds that, that happen when men fail to know this information and fail to know this knowledge and this mm-hmm. wisdom. And so that's why we want to share it. So it's not to bash men. We're, we're seeking to make the world a better place by sharing this and hope that women will, sh- will listen to this and understand men a lot better from it, but also that you'll share it with the men in your lives and challenge them and encourage them to be better men and learn through this how you can do that. Because femininity is good. Femininity is a wonderful thing. You know, Fulton Sheen talks very highly of femininity about how societies rise and fall with their women. And I, I often say that one of the most beautiful parts of my relationship with Emily is that femininity and what women do in their receptivity is they like create the space, right? We think about like homemaking, right? Like when, even, even if secular couples, when a man and woman move in together, right? They're dating each other, they move in together. Like who's picking out the decor? Who's picking out the furniture, right? It's Nine times, I mean, 99 times out of 100, I don't even think nine times out of 10, 99 out of 100, the woman's doing all that stuff, right? Like she's creating the space. If people are coming over, she's more concerned with how it looks. She's more concerned about what's being presented and given to the, to the guests, right? She creates a space. So in a similar way, Emily, for me, women in general in society create the space, but men have to fill that space and men have to occupy and lead in that space, right? And so that's what we're trying to talk about. Uh, and that's the importance of having these conversations. But Bro, I think it's so important, you know, just thinking about effeminacy. And one thing that that all that you kind of just shared really made me think about, and I don't know if you've seen um, uh, The Dark Knight Rises or Wonder Woman, but mm-hmm. I've watched Wonder Woman because Emily's like in love with Wonder Woman. And we just watched a second one. Uh, <laughs> we watched a second one over Christmas break together. And in the second Wonder Woman, like the whole, her whole battle, like the main battle that takes place is that she has to give up the love of her life for the sake of the world, right? It's emotions based. Like even this, this is totally secular, right? Like DC Comics has no affinity or connection to the Catholic church whatsoever, right? This is not the Chronicles of Narnia. C.S. Lewis did not write Wonder Woman. <laughs> like this is straight up secular. And in her biggest fight that she has to give up is like the world changes, everything in the battle changes and goes back to normal when she's willing to give up her, you know, her love that has come back from the dead and all this stuff because of what happened with the, you know, the villain and things like that. Um, but you have to give up what you hold most dear, right? Now look at the Dark Knight Rises with Batman. What does Batman have to do to defeat Bane? He breaks his back, 
right? And he's laying in the bottom of this pit and he has to climb up to the top and make this leap that almost nobody makes and you have to risk dying to make, but he has a broken back and he has to come back and like rehab from that, right? So just exactly what you're talking about, the opposite of his courage and fortitude in doing that is effeminacy, right? An unwillingness to put aside one's pleasure to pursue what is arduous. That's the definition of what, you know, the writers of Batman gave Batman in The Dark Knight Rises. He has to come back. You have to recover from this. You have to fight. You have to heal. He do all kinds of sit-ups and training and things like that to get back from having a broken back and being destroyed to putting aside everything that, that he holds dear, right? Like his comfort, his, you know, the, the desire for sloth. He's in his prison eating slop, like with all these terrible people. And he puts all that aside to what? Go and sacrifice himself basically at the end of the movie for the sake of the world. You know, like that's masculinity. That's that's like what we're talking about. And sure, there's plenty of women and, and shout out to the single mothers out there who hustle hard and work hard to try to be mother and father. But look at all the stats. I share the stats in my presentation all the time about drug use, about suicide later in life, about crime later in life, about education later in life, all these things about uh, spiritual practice and practicing religion later in life when dad's not present and dad's not engaged. Right. And that's what we're talking about is, is as much as women want to be men, they can't be. And as much as men want to be women, they can't be. It goes both ways. But we, we rarely have the conversation. I feel like I hear a lot of good things and I love what I see on social media about, you know, femininity and the feminine genius and the work that Emily does, the work that all these great women do. I get to see, you know, Michaela Robinson and Caroline Rose Owens, like all my friends on Insta, Anna Lulis, you know, like all these homies who are just doing all these great things and they're empowering women. Women empower each other so well, but you just don't see those things for men, right? There's this, it just doesn't really exist at the same rate. Um, and we're not talking about it. And men are just so highly disengaged and they're so highly desiring these challenges and this, this push for responsibility, personal responsibility and ownership. That's why you see guys like Jocko Willink, like Jordan Peterson, Dr. Jordan Peterson, being so popular, right? David Goggins. Why do guys love David Goggins? Because he doesn't take shit, right? Like he doesn't take any excuses. He, he's like, I'm going to get it done, whatever it takes. It's the opposite of effeminate, you yeah. know? And yeah. so that's, that's what guys want. And, and we need to challenge them instead of creating this soft church culture that's trying to create nice guys. And then you have no men. When you seek to create nice guys, you end up with zero men. Yeah. And that's what we have. And then, and, then, and then people turn around and ask us all the time, where are all the men? And I'm getting tired of being asked that question. It's so funny, you know, uh, well, a handful, good rift. I, I appreciate our riffs there. They're, <laughs> uh, there's a bunch there. Uh, the first one, I think, I think the hottest take, actually, we didn't even, this isn't even on the notes. But I just thought of it as you were saying, like, oh, why right. does this stuff not work? Like, why, why do we do the things that God didn't intend for? and expect for them to work. Right. Because God didn't intend for them to be. And why is it when people see those films or those great stories of sacrifice and everything that is masculine, but simultaneously it being embodied by a true man? Like, why are, why are people drawn to those things? Well, God created hierarchy <laughs> and God created man to lead. He just did, you know, and there right. are things that, that God, God revealed himself in the flesh as a man for crying out loud. Like right. so there's something to masculinity that I think God wants to lead in the world with. 
yet simultaneously, like you were talking about women, like I'm marrying the greatest woman that I've ever known. Um, and like, it's a perfection to be a woman, you know, like it truly is the things that women are capable of and made to do. Like, I, I can't even fathom some of the things. And just what you were talking about with like the designing and making a home and things, my, my fiance and I, we were just having a conversation the other night about like furniture, <laughs> talking about furniture. And I'm like, I'm like wanting to buy this dresser. And she's like, Oh, well we have to like have it match with this and this. And then we were talking about like a, a stand in the living room. And she was like, Oh, but like, are we going to have this couch in there? Because like, if we do, then it has to be a different color because it doesn't match this. And you just hear like, dollar signs. I was like, yeah, I was <laughs> like well, well, not only that, but I like, I, I didn't even think in terms of like, no, yeah, I have absolutely. to color this couch, you know, yeah. or like, I don't, I don't need to, what? Yeah. <laughs> but like, they think of those things. It's wild, I, right? Yeah. You're like, the pillows oh, have to match the couch. <laughs> yeah. It's like, it's I like, didn't know okay, that cool. a couple of years ago. Yeah. Um, but anyways, that's like, I think that there's just something, there's something fundamental to that. And, and I think another thing just to, kind of go off of this like first part we were talking about. This is my story. This is like any man, this is our story, you know, like, like if you, if you find yourself in this world, you were raised in this century in the last 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 years, you have tasted this very, very acutely, you know? And like, like the, absolutely the since the 60s <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah yeah like the the collateral damage is felt all over um and and it, it's by men and women oh for sure yeah and for for anybody who's listening it's like nathan and i come at this as, as two men who yeah we we thanks be to god have been brought to this place in life where these things we 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 j- take joy in these truths but only because we've gone through the arduous task of reconciling the fact that, that like I had different elements of my person and my, my uh, way of life that was just effeminate. <laughs> like I was just, just effeminate in so many different ways. And yeah. I think like, that's just, that's just something that we have to, as men uh, reconcile with, be humble in recognizing and, be courageous enough to root it out of our lives. Absolutely. No, I think that's so big, man. And I want to, I want to go back to the one point we just talked about of how this really is meant to benefit both men and women. And I think that one of my, my favorite interview of all time, I'm pretty sure of all time is uh, Jordan Peterson and Kathy Newman. Have you ever mm-hmm. seen that one? I haven't. No. Oh, bro. I got to send it to you. It's only like, it's like an hour, but the first 30 minutes is really like the main part of it. And it's about the gender pay gap. And she just uses a lot of like leftist, uh, you know, like baiting, straw manning, gaslighting stuff to, and she says, so what you're saying, so you're saying, so you're saying, and just mis- misinterprets his words time after time after time. And he just crushes it. He's like super mature, super stoic, you know what I mean? Just like answers her questions, very, uh, you know, direct, but, you know, uh, personable, He's awesome. And, but one of the things that he talks about in there is she's like, but why, why should women care about this? What do women benefit from his message, basically a personal responsibility and strong manhood and taking ownership for your life and making your bed. Right. And um, yeah, just kind of being a strong man. 
And he said, well, women are happier with strong men. It depends what kind of man they want, but like by and large, women want strong men. Right. And she's like, what do you mean? And this and that, like, what if the woman wants to lead and all these things? And he's like, no, that's true. Like that exists. But he's like, but that's pretty rare. And typically they end up unhappy based on psychological research when they feel like they have to dominate and they're dominating their man. Usually that comes from type, some type of trauma or, you know, issue that they have that they want to dominate their, their partner. Um, and nobody should want to dominate their partner. Right. Like that's not a good thing in either either direction, whether you're emotionally manipulating them or, or physically manipulating and overpowering them. But this concept that what if women want to dominate? And that's the question that I really think so many women need to be asked is, do you really want a strong man? because there's a lot of women out there who, who say that they do they have the question right there's no good men in the world we're all the good men all these good women and no good men but it's like do you but do you really want a strong man it's i mean bro it's it's such a good question because i feel like there's a lot of them that don't but say that they do right they kind of like pay, there's like this certain like lip service that's paid to like oh yeah i want a strong man but then when when you have that opportunity or you just kind of have this disposition that's going to repel any type of strong man because there's no desire to be led there's no desire to really be uh you know kind of just just yeah in that position of, of really being led and being a part of a family where the man is the head of the family as god intended and so i mean it's just a vast difference man like you're uh you know laura and emily are by no means like weak-willed women right like they're not <laughs> so that they don't have opinions this is the view right of, of catholic women is like well you just don't have opinions and you just kind of give up and give in to whatever the husband wants and all these things and uh it was just it's just wild you know like how this mis misperception um constantly happens with women but i think that you know i've had the experience before of dating of dating women who in their past have either dated men who completely dominated them were rude, manipulative, all that stuff, right? Overpowered them, didn't care anything about their opinions, their thoughts, or their feelings, or they dated men that they could completely dominate. And it's really hard as a strong-willed woman to find somebody who's who does a balance of those two, right? Who's strong-willed and will lead, but also cares about you and is willing to like take your perspective and, and talk about things and compromise with you and give you your way sometimes and have it go his way sometimes, but ultimately lead and make decisions for the family and for the relationship. It's hard to find somebody who wants that and can actually deal and balance with both of those things. Because, yeah. and this isn't, and I don't even want to blame women. I don't want to make this about women and, and feminism, but feminism has seeped into the Catholic church. And it's time that we recognize that. And I think that more women who talk about the feminine genius, the, the only downside about all the stuff that I talked about earlier with the ministries towards women that talk about the feminine genius and all those things is women are, are, are much less likely, it seems to me, to talk about the downsides of femininity the way that men will and women will talk about the downsides of masculinity right and mm -hmm. so we don't talk about the fact that feminism has seeped in to the catholic church it does impact our women it does impact society at large but especially women in the church and you have this combination of of not just strong-willed women but women who don't actually want to be led they want to be the leader they want to be everything um and then some and it's like okay, you can do that, but then you're not going to get a strong man that's going to want to come fill that role, right? Like you're given the role that's like you're, what you're advertising, right? Like and you advertise this with your behavior, with your demeanor, with the way you act on dates, with the way that you present yourself to society. And what you're, the role that you're advertising is not attractive to a strong man. Mm -hmm. And that's deep. And I think that's something that a lot of people don't really want to think about um, and, and talk about, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, you, Remember that uh, that commercial a few years back, the toxic masculinity um, 
I don't even remember what brands did it. It was some, some brands, they were, they did this commercial about toxic masculinity. It was Gillette. Gillette. There you go. My whole thing with it was like, that's a, the statement itself is like a non-starter. It's, it's not even a real thing because if we, if like going off of what you were just talking about with like men don't actually want to be with somebody like with a woman who is like a strong feminist and a woman, I guarantee doesn't want to be with a weak willed man. That's just my guess. And I'm, I'm, I'm not marrying by any means a weak willed woman. She is very capable of very, very many things. Right. And at the risk, at the risk of being being a little bit harsh or rude, I'm almost always entertained by the, the men that I see, feminists that I end up getting in arguments with on the internet or out in the world with like who they're dating, who they end up with, who they dated in the past, like, or even just the, the extremely leftist. And I always try to make the difference between liberal and leftist, but the leftist men that I argue with, I'm just like, I, I know what you're like, you know what I mean? And it's just like, and then you look at a lot of the conservative men in the world and it's just, that was just another thing that really got me and why I think it's so conservative in the military it's because it's because of this, right? It's because like effeminacy is less present. It's not, it's still present, but it's less present in a lot of ways. And it's just like, man, you know, why, why is like, is that just, is that just a coincidence? Right. And I mean, this is just, I don't have, I don't have a poll on this, but I, I can see from all the men that I know and that I get to interact with. It's like, I mean, in the internet, in, in movies and videos in, in celebrities and in, in Hollywood, right? Like you can tell, <laughs> who's who and who's what by the way they behave and the way that they act you yeah. know what i'm saying like it's not a surprise to me that denzel washington and chris pat are conservative right like yeah, it, doesn't... It, it, it it's it's not a coincidence by any or have con- some conservative views i should say i don't know their yeah, yeah, their yeah. leaning but i think, I think they uh they're not they leftists dabble. i think they dabble yeah uh right yeah, but it's not a coincidence. And I think it's because this, this crap doesn't work, you know, <laughs> like, like it doesn't work. It's because it's not what God intended. And, and what I was saying about the, the Gillette commercial is like the whole toxic masculinity title in and, of, in and of itself isn't a thing. Like masculinity and femininity are goods. They're perfections. There is no such thing as toxic masculinity. There's just a feminacy. Right. It's like toxic goodness. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. It's like, <laughs> it's a virtue. It's like toxic prudence. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean? it's, like, it's like, this is just not even a thing. But you know, so you know where like, that comes from is con- we live in a world where like words don't mean anything anymore. Oh, exactly. So it's instead of the, looking at what are the, like we would say that Aristotle, right? The virtues and the mean, right? And so you can go too far in, in certain terms of what are traditionally masculine values, right? Where you don't care about anybody else. David Goggins, in some ways, I would say is, is to that point, right? Like he probably has certain aspects of him that are too focused on what he's doing and doesn't care for the people around him. These are the men who are super career driven and are successful, but have six wives or, you know what I mean? Have been divorced multiple times. They, they don't raise their children, right? Like they have no impact on in their fatherhood and their, their, their uh, marriage. But then you also have the other, the weak side of that, that exists on a much larger scale now, I would argue, but that doesn't mean that either of those are toxic masculinity, right? One's the, the, the sin and, and kind of the sin of greed and, um, you know, ambition can get, you know, into being a vice. And then you have effeminacy, right? And you have effeminacy on really on both ends, which is the interesting part. Effeminacy can be on both ends of the spectrum of like what Taylor Swift calls, you know, the man in her little video where she dresses like a man and, and tries to be like what a man is and, and just basically the, the, 
details all the things and, and gives you a portrayal of what people consider toxic masculinity. She's just a feminine. Yeah. It's just an effeminacy thing. I think that just on both it, ends. Yeah. I think just what it means is like, you're just not fully masculine or you're not fully like feminine, you know, like, or truly if, if that would be a better word to use, but like, right. It, it, it's how about, how about we just propose that like, both sides of the aisle, us as like men and women, we just recognize the fact that like, it just ain't working the way that we've drawn it up right now. Right. And so like, how about we just like flip Wait, the script? Why isn't it and, working? Oh yeah, exactly. Why don't we just flip the script? Like come, come at it a different way and just be like, okay, if it's not working, why don't we just like, why don't we just like try what God intended? Why don't we just like try that? You know, like, yeah. Let's just like dip our toes in the water and like see. I guarantee it will be difficult. <laughs> I yeah. promise you, actually. And if you're not willing to like embrace on that, then well, like this talk is or this 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 podcast is made for you, you know. Um, but if you are, you you will become truly masculine. Um, and I also think truly feminine, uh, in I mean, even though this isn't a feminine femininity conversation but right yeah tons of podcasts we can send you if you're interested but amen you know what I and mean? and you'll become fully joyful and you'll live a life life of peace and fulfillment yes. and purpose and passion yes. and you'll have a better marriage and you have a better relationship with your kids and you have a better relationship with the world and you have a better relationship with god and you know how do we know this how do you know this lucas how do you know this nathan because i've seen this shit that's because I've seen it. I've, I've witnessed people. I used to live, I grew up in a place in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, where everybody's parents were divorced. And I was just like, this ain't it. And then you get older, my parents are divorced. And I have all these different like awkward situations when I try to go home or navigating holidays and things like that. And it's not my mom's fault. It's not my dad's fault that those things are awkward. They're naturally awkward. Why? Because my parents aren't supposed to be divorced. Now, I'm not saying that my parents specifically aren't supposed to be divorced. Nobody's parents are supposed to be divorced. That's what I'm saying, generally speaking, right? And so you get to experience that. We experience and you see the brokenness. You see the, the devastation, the difficulty of not having a father, of not having a mother, of, you know, all these different things, right? And we're going to see down the road the impacts of even more things that are happening right now, right? Like children being raised by same-sex couples or children going undergoing transgender surgeries and all these different things that we're going to see down the road. There's no longitudinal studies, but it's going to come out. But then I grew up. Then I joined the army. And I started to see strong families, started to see strong Catholic families as I moved to Dynamic Catholic. And then I moved to Benedictine College and I met Emily and I met all these people from Denver and got to see all these great families, getting to see the Swaffords and all these fams that it's like, whoa, holy cow, this works. When the man leads and the woman, you know, creates a space and, and raises the family and, you know, they're both pursuing virtue and holiness and they love each other and they love the kids and the kids are awesome and everybody's successful and everybody's close to God and everybody stays faithful in the faith. Whoa, it works. You see it. But the only reason you doubt this, if you're listening to this and you doubt this is because you haven't seen it. And so I'm trying to tell you what this is, bro. This is, this is the, the allegory of the cave. For masculinity, bro, for femininity, for families. This is the allegory of the cave, straight up. We have made it out, right? You and I both come from our own different family issues and our family backgrounds are totally different. You've had your struggles and they're different than mine, but we both had struggles growing up, right? And we kind of got out, we got out into the world. And this is one of my, my favorite things about my life is that so many people who I grew up with never left home. They never left Harrisburg. And they look at me like I'm the dumbass. And I'm like, bro, I got out of the cave. 
you know, and, and like, and Socrates, my favorite philosopher tells us that when you go back into the cave, so if you don't know the allegory of the cave, let me give you some details. So I'm getting really, really hype. So allegory of the cave, Lucas likes me hype. So <laughs> allegory of the cave is all about, basically it's this analogy, right? Where there's a bunch of people who are chained in this cave and all they've known their whole lives is the darkness. And every now and then there's somebody who kind of, you know, runs the cave and they, and they use light in the background and, and, and put shadows up on the wall. And they teach them like, this is a person, this is a tree, this is a dog, whatever, right? And then somebody, they, like what Socrates details is that the philosopher comes into the cave, breaks somebody out of the chains and takes them outside. And he says that at first it takes, it's really, it kind of hurts, right? And do we see this all the time in the church? The, the, the scandal that's breaking out now with the same-sex attraction and same-sex unions, the, the truth that the, the Vatican shared on that, the truth hurts. Right. When you experience that, when you see the sun for the first time, and the sun represents goodness and truth and God. When you experience that, it kind of hurts because it, it, it convicts you. Right. Like you, you kind of realize like, oh, you know what I mean? This has a lot to teach me. Like I have a lot of formation to do. I'm not quite there yet. Right. But then over time, your eyes start to adjust and you start to see the things around you. And then you point to the person, you say, that's a tree. And the person says, no, 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 that's not a tree. And points back into the cave and says, that's a tree. But all they've seen is, is shadow figures. They've seen just fakeness. They've seen images and, you know, uh, like um, simple just uh, imaginations almost of, of what reality is. But then you start to point to them like, this is what this is. And that's what that is. And some people believe you and some people don't. And some people literally want to turn back and go back into the cave. And that's what we're experiencing. And that's what we're trying to tell people. And that's, I mean, bro, that was a breakthrough. I mean, I've known this, but like, I, I've never shared that on the podcast before that that's everything that I try to share you know, being a convert to Catholicism, being a convert in so many ways to the, the family beliefs that Emily has, um, that I just, like, the Lord just prepared me to, like, really receive and understand so much of what she understood for so many years about masculinity, femininity, and the family, and just the way that God wants to renew the world and renew the United States of America through the family, right, that that's the source, and that's the way that we're going to really take the country back, win the culture back, is through the family, and we see that in the holy family, right, the most perfect uh, family we've ever had, with uh, St. Joseph, Mary, and Jesus. And so it's crazy. You know, we, we have to take people out of the cave. We're trying to draw your crazy asses out of the cave with our crazy selves and say, look, this works. You don't have to be divorced. You don't have to have fears of getting divorced and fears of not finding the right person and fears of all these things. No, you just have to pursue sainthood and masculinity and femininity respectively. But don't pursue femininity if you're a man. <laughs> don't pursue masculinity if you're a woman. Stop doing those things. And we'd have more happy couples and people wouldn't be good practicing faithful Catholics wouldn't be 34 and single looking for a husband or a wife because we probably get married younger because you'd be more ready and you'd actually be ready if God wanted to bring somebody awesome into your life and share them with you and entrust his daughter or his son to you. You got to be ready for that, right? That takes homework. You got to do your homework, be feminine and be masculine. And that doesn't mean just dressing nice if you're a woman. And it doesn't mean just chopping trees down or being nice if you're a man. There's more to it. Anyways. You guys heard it here first. Uh, and by guys, I mean you ladies and men. <laughs> audience. I, yeah, 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 audience. Uh, okay, so uh, how much more of this do you want to get into? Because I, 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 I like want to bring it back and like get tactical and like not leave them not leave people with just like this, uh, you know, like we just, we just ranted, you know? Right. So like, how do you, how do you want to? It was almost like a very long opening statement. 
<laughs> so we just did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So hopefully everybody's like ready. Everybody's just jiving now, I think. <clears throat> Absolutely. You know, I was it's kind of funny, bro, because I was thinking before we recorded this, I was like, man, this could be this could like we could start our own podcast about this. Like this could be a whole separate podcast, you know, on the Feminacy of Bed podcast or some something like that. You know, like we could like this could be a whole thing in and of itself. We could do a 10-part series on this. And you know, quite frankly, I think that we should. I don't plan on stopping being friends with you anytime soon. And I don't plan on stopping the podcast anytime soon. So we got time, bro. So I don't think we need to talk. I don't think we need to get tactical today. Um, we'll, we'll give that to the people later on. And, and hopefully this leaves them wanting. But the last thing I want to talk about for today and get your thoughts on is this. I'm reading, uh, Emily and I are reading Grit right now uh, by Angela Duckworth. And I'm also listening to Range, uh, which is another great book. It's very Seeking Excellence based about being good at multiple things instead of just uh, capitalizing or specializing in one. Um, and, and both of them are very interesting. They both uh, hit on a book and build upon a mindset by Carol Dweck. So it's been interesting. Uh, I read them in order. So I read mindset, then grit, and then started range. And range talks about grit and mindset. Grit talks about mindset, right? <laughs> and mindset doesn't talk about either of them. So it's kind of cool, like watching how they build upon each other. And just like so much that we're learning about the human person and life. But the main thing that I think is this is she, Angela today in, the, in my reading for grit talked about um, how we, you want to, if you, she's like, if you want to grow your grit, one of the best things you can do is to create or join a culture of grit. Right. So she talked to, she, the, she starts the whole book talking about West Point. She talks about her daughter's ballet class where they had a really strict and demanding um, and good teacher, right. Instructor. And just talks about these different areas, right. Company cultures and things like that, where there's organizations, there's families that are cultures of grit. And there's places that aren't. And so in a similar way, we have to, we have to develop these cultures of masculinity. And if you want to be more masculine, if you want to be a man, you have to, in the same way that we kind of, you know, talk about, you have to be the person that will attract the person you want to date. In a similar way, you have to be the man that's going to attract the friends that you want to have, right? There's all these men out there who want to have, I can't find any good friends. I can't find any strong. And it's like, well, are you one? You know what I'm saying? Like, if you're not one, it's amazing how post-conversion and then post like me really getting into it and like growing in my faith, how God just started leading me to men like you and men like you to me, right? Like it's, it's no coincidence that it started to happen, right? When I was a scrub, I was friends with scrubs. And then you start to reach a little bit higher and try to be friends with those men who you're like, I kind of want to be like this guy. But first, I think the first step is you have to find people who will take you under their wing, right? Before I had strong men who were pursuing virtue and holiness and good, actual virtuous friendships in my life, I had to first find men who were strong, virtuous, holy men and be like, will you teach me how to be more like you? right? It was straight student-teacher relationships, mentor-mentee relationships. And once you do that for a while, then I think you start to get to the point where you're like, okay, I can have some friends now that are kind of like this, right? What do you think about that? What do you think about creating the culture of men and, and kind of creating your own culture of, of masculinity? What's kind of, how's that been in your life? I think what you, the, the quote that you just shared, uh, it just, it reminds me actually of what uh, Fulton Sheen actually talks about says that maturity comes from embracing responsibility and suffering. Um, 
And I think that that's that that's the corner. That's the cornerstone. That's the foundational building block for a culture like that. You know what I mean? Is like individual people who associate with others who on an individual level are mature, (laughs) you know, and like, right are like virtuous, you know? Um, So I think, I think it's 100% true. I think that you have to, at this stage of the game, for anybody who's listening to this and like, this is the first time you've ever heard this. You have to start smaller. You have to start individually. If they start, you truly have to start with yourself in when it comes to this. Um, And like, associating with good people absolutely because aristotle you know he talks about people are educated not not in like we don't just like know things we're not angels you know like we don't just have like infused knowledge but like people are actually meant to like put stuff in our brains you know like people are meant to actually teach us and transmit knowledge to us that was intentional intentional (laughs) right because like, that's, yeah, that's how God made us. FYI. Right. Uh, because that's the case, like as an individual study, like learn. And then as Nathan was saying, like be around, don't be around scrubs, you know, like my life changed when I left behind the friends groups or the friend groups that were just like, I was just, pretty mediocre you know right it, 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 it just it just happened you know do you have any regret at this point now of leaving that not a one the only the only regret that i have and it's not even really a, a regret as much as it's like um i'm recognizing more at this point in my life where i'm actually ready to take on these kinds of responsibilities and be this kind of person is that you know like to create, if you don't have that kind of culture, right? Like, what do you do? Like you said, well, are you one of those friends? Like, are you the kind of person that like people come in contact with and they're just like, whoa, there's something substantially different about this person, you know? Right. Looking back now, I wish that like, I, uh, I had like kept in, kept in touch to like, you know, be more potentially instrumental. Not that like I'm meant to save anybody, but like those kinds of influences really can make a difference, you know? And um, if anything, that's, that's the only thing I would regret. But even that it's like, I wasn't ready for it. You know, like I had so much, I had so much growing up and maturing to do and ridding my life of different habits and growing in virtue and recognizing that like, I'm, I was soft in a lot of ways (laughs) and I wasn't truly masculine in a lot of ways. Um, and it, it's led me to this place now where, you know, like I get to marry this incredible woman and I Lord willing will have children that I get to raise with her and, and, and to be true men and true women and, and to start building that culture, you know, first in my family, but then simultaneously as one that, that, uh, evangelizes the world even. So yeah, all that to say. I'm, I'm, I'm picking up what you're putting down for sure. No, (laughs) I love it, man. And I think one thing that's important to recognize there, because we both left friends and 
really a lot of times I often say, you know, that we didn't leave our friends like our friends left us. Right. At least that's how it was for me. And that's how I always encourage people to look at it and to propose it to their friends is I had friends when I was in college, both in high school and in college that I said, look, man, this is the direction I'm headed in. I've been convicted of the truth. I want to try to live out my faith. I know this sounds like a joke to you, but I want to try to be chaste. I want to try to do these things. I want to try to do it right. And I would love for you to come with me and to do this with me. And if you say no, that's okay, but that's going to greatly affect our friendship and how much we see each other and what we can do together. And some said no, and that's okay. Some said no to Jesus, right? Like I'm not going to bat a higher percentage than Jesus did with keeping like from getting people to leave the world to come with me, right? Like to, to go with him. And so it, we have to recognize that. And there's just no humility in that, uh, in, in people who, who don't recognize that, who don't recognize that it's okay if somebody wants to leave me while I'm trying to pursue my faith, while I'm trying to pursue excellence, while I'm trying to pursue greatness and holiness and sainthood. And we've all felt it, the trepidation or the hesitancy to not want to do that, right? To have, we all had the fear. Yeah, and you think about it, like, Jesus's batting average with that type of thing wasn't super hot either. (laughs) Exactly. People left our Lord in droves. His dearest friends abandoned him. You know, like there's just like, and, 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 and he's God. He's the second person of the Trinity. My man was walking on water, multiplying (laughs) fishes and loaves, healing blind people. And people are still like, nah, dog, I don't like your teachings. And 100% aware of the fact that he was going to raise from the dead, no doubt. Right. (laughs) You know what I mean? Yep. Um, Yeah. Still bounce. You know? But yeah, but it's so important people recognize that people who are on the other side of that journey, we experience that fear too. Because it's just that classic, you know, we want to assume that everybody who's successful didn't have to do the hard work that we'd have to do to get there. And it's just soft. We have to stop that. We have to cut that nonsense out of our society, especially out of the church, and stop thinking that people who have good friend groups always had good friend groups. Some people did. You know, some people had that journey, and, and God bless them. Good for them. But a lot of us didn't. And so it's not fair to assume that everybody who's, you know, got to the other side to a certain extent and has virtuous good friends and has made something of themselves had it easy. And so don't make that as an excuse because it's not one. The only excuse, the only reason for it is fear cowardice and pride and a multitude of other sins and and problems, right? And vices. And so I think it's so important, you know, in the talk that we were listening to before this, uh, one of the quotes was that pride is effeminate because you don't embrace your own defects and problems. And I think that that's so much of what you just said, like you have to start with yourself and we have this pride, but we don't want to start with ourselves because I don't want to look myself in the mirror and be like, you know, I mean, that's David Goggins 101, right? Like if you want to get to somebody and hear a story of somebody who looked at himself in the mirror and decided to kick his own ass every day from that day until present, he's, he's a great example of it. And that's why I love, I love listening to wisdom like that and applying it to my spiritual life and my relationship and everything, every aspect of my life of looking at myself some days in the mirror and being like, I don't like who's looking back and who can change that? Me by the grace of God, mm-hmm. but I have to cooperate. It's not going to be some miracle that I get to just pray and passively participate in my own, you know, salvation for one life-changing experiences for one maturity and growth for one, for another, you know what I mean? Like none of those things happen without me. God wants us to, you know, we don't, we don't procreate without God, right? Like he wants us to participate in, in everything with him. 
the miracles and everything, right? Like there's, there's things that we have to do to receive the graces and the sacraments, right? Like we have to do things to receive those. We have to participate in this stuff, right? Um, it doesn't mean that we earn it, but he wants us to participate with him. It's a beautiful thing, right? It's not a shameful, guilty, like I, you know, God's making me do all these things or God wants me to earn his love. No, he just wants you to participate. Just like any good father or, you know, anybody wants you to do, right? Like I want you to participate in this. I want you to be a part of it with me. Mm-hmm. And it's just active relationship, but it takes that, you know, recognizing that pride is effeminate because you're not willing to look at your own defects and defaults or, and, and flaws, defects and flaws and say, all right, what, what can I do? What do I need to do to change this? How can I stop being this POS, right? This dirt bag <laughs> and start being a good man. It's hard to do that. It's not easy. And you've had to do that countless times. I'm sure I've had to do that countless times. You know, it's, it's so important. I, I just, I just posted on Instagram tonight about that, bro, about um, just a little transparency of being like, you know, I was doing really well praying the rosary before I got injured. And then I got hurt and it's not an excuse. It's not good. I thought about it every day, almost every day. There's been some days where I haven't. But my point was that I prayed the rosary today. It's, we're recording this on the Annunciation on March 25th. And I posted that, you know, Emily and I prayed the rosary tonight. And I was like, man, as I was praying it, I was like, I've wanted to do this with her every night for the last 70 days, almost every night. And you hit a point in your spiritual life where I didn't forget to pray it but maybe five days in that time. I actively chose not to. And a lot of times I didn't just think of it in the morning or in the afternoon. Like I thought about it after dinner when we had time and instead chose sloth and weakness and comfort to just go lay on the couch and watch TV or, you know, eat dessert or just BS or whatever we would do. Right. And sometimes we would read. Sometimes we'd go work out. Right. Like it wasn't always bad things, but I always found something to replace it with and let spiritual warfare and let the devil win and let my flesh win and the world win. And I was like, man, I'm so glad I didn't today. Hmm. And there's this challenging, right? This balance that I feel like a lot of men fail to find this balance of being like, damn, dude, stop being a shithead and and pray the rosary, right? But also at the same time being like, man, I'm really glad that I did it today, right? And that's what a good friend does, right? Like you and I, if you told me that, and if I told you that, you're not going to be like, bro, you didn't pray the rosary for 70 days, right? It's like, man, I'm really glad that you're getting back on it. Don't mess it up again tomorrow but I'm really glad that you got back on it today, right? Like there's this balance of like, be hard on yourself, be hard on each other, but also let's celebrate the small wins and like recognize that you're back in the club. Like, that's awesome. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's a hard balance oh, to for find. Sure. For anybody, I think for anybody who's like wanting to really begin to like live a life of virtue and, and at the same time, you know, root out something as, as central to men's struggles as effeminacy is, I think, well, a few things. Number one is what you were just talking about when it comes to like the delight that you got from praying the rosary, you know, like the church fathers and the church has always taught that like there is a delight that we get from doing what is virtuous. <laughs> right. And, and, and so recognize that and you there see are, that in children. Oh yeah. And there's, there's so much good to be received. And so I think if you're going to go on this path, if, if you're going to commit to this path of, of, of virtue, we so often like get super, super stuck on like, like, like all of the, all of the bad things we do and beat ourselves up and all these things. And, um, it takes a while to realize that like 
Oh, but there's so many more benefits to doing this than just simply like needing to root out the bad things in my life. Obviously we have to root out the bad things, but if you need like a psychological, like way to flip the script in your head, allow yourself to be motivated by the benefits of living this way. Right. You know, and when you do that, at the same time, commit to going to battle with yourself every day. It's a battle. I'm wrapping up. Uh, this isn't like a virtue signal by any means. It's just because it's present in my life. <laughs> I'm wrapping up Exodus 90 right now. And it's like people, I, like I, I, one of my pet peeves with it is the fact that like so many people know that I, I'm doing it. Not because I'm like, hey, I'm doing Exodus 90, but because like, you're wearing you know, the shirt right now. What's that? I said, you're wearing the Exodus 90 shirt right now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, no, but like so many people like, so many people are shocked by it. And I think they, they shout it from the mountains and I'm like, and I'm not trying to be like pious or anything, but like, I, I just genuinely realize like how weak I am. And like something like this is just simply an answer to me, like, over in like inundating my life with the potential to experience the benefits of virtue, <laughs> you know, like, like I need it Absolutely. because I, I recognize the fact that like, I'm still so weak as you know, you were, you were mentioning with the rosary and like, like I, I struggle. And I think that that's, that's just something you have to commit to. You have to commit to the battle. You know, that's, that's just it. hundred percent, man. And you have to recommit. You have to commit every day, right? We commit every hour, every half an hour, every minute. You got to commit. It's not just a one-time thing, right? I, I often say that with the military too. It's like, yeah, you take the oath, right? You raise your right hand, repeat after me, and you, you swear in. But every day you got to put on the uniform. Every day you still got to show up to work. Every day you got to put on your, you know, when you're deployed, put on your plate carrier and go out and do your mission, whatever it is. But it's not a one-time thing. Like we always try to make it seem. And so that's beautiful, man. We got, man, we got, we got, we got to commit people. So this is good, man. I was fired up. I definitely, <laughs> I definitely enjoyed some of our rants tonight, man. This is beautiful. This is part one of 30 that we're going to talk about. <laughs> so I hope you people are ready for some serious Lucas and Nathan time. Cause we got it coming. So thank you everybody for tuning in today. Uh, as we said before, we highly encourage you to just share this with the men in your life give this to them. It's a gift, you know, share this with them and just pray that they'll listen to it. Pray that they'll let it impact them and uh, really take it to heart because we're going to try to really just draw these men out of the cave, draw men and women out of the cave and start to see what's real and see what's possible out there. If we start to really strive for excellence in our lives through our masculinity and our femininity respectively. And so let's continue to do that. Continue to fight hard, be your best in everything that you do. And uh, we'll see you next time with Lucas talking about the effeminacy of men. God bless.